The gospel of grace has always been under attack by those who'd rather have righteousness come by a set of do's and don'ts. And in the churches of, of Galatia, a group of churches Paul had planted, that was the attack that Paul's gospel of grace was some new thing, but it was the older thing, the law that mattered most. Well, Paul answered that argument well, and we'll talk about his counterargument today on Beyond the Notes. On the face of it, it sort of makes sense. The people of God had related to God largely by means of the law for centuries. It was all anyone alive certainly could ever remember learning or being taught that if you wanted to be right with God, you kept the rules. And the rules were in that first century setting, the law of Moses as interpreted by the influential priests, scribes, and Pharisees of that day. Paul comes along with a very different message, a message that even works for Gentiles who have no acquaintance at all with the law, that you can know God by simply trusting in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and believing by faith that his payment on the cross had fulfilled the demands of the law, and that you could be right with God even apart from any real in-depth knowledge of the law. Well, those who wanted to control people by means of the law or who had become so steeped in the traditions of the law, they didn't like that at all. And they dogged Paul for much of his ministry. The book of Galatians is written probably the first and oldest of Paul's epistles in your New Testament uh, before the Jerusalem Council of AD 50, I believe, because as a footnote to this podcast, the arguments in Galatians are very similar to the arguments of the Jerusalem Council of AD 50, Acts 15. But Paul does not specifically cite that council, which had the council already happened, I believe Paul would have made reference to it. So that puts Galatians all the way back before even AD 50, probably right after the first missionary journey, which is the journey where he had planted these churches. So they're baby churches, but they're already veering into sort of the works righteousness mentality of the law. And the argument that, that's being made is, is one of, of great age. The law is the ancient means whereby people were right with God. The gospel, comparatively, knew Christ had only died on the cross probably just, just about two decades prior to this moment. So how does Paul respond to that argument? Well, it's, 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 it's kind of brilliant. Uh, in Galatians 3, beginning in verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. That is, the new cannot completely derail the old, even in human agreements. Once we make an agreement, that agreement stands. We don't get to have one person come in and change it. But then he's going to turn the tables on them, and he says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings referring to many, but referring to one. That is, the promise of the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled in one person. That is Christ. And to your offspring who is Christ. That is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. If the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, for God gave it 
to Abraham by promise. He takes their argument, turns it around, and blasts them with it, saying, you want to reject the gospel because you want to hold to your perception of the older ecology of the law, conditional and based on obedience, which the law was. But you have forgotten that underneath what you call the foundation is a much older foundation, centuries older. God's promise to Abraham that the just shall live by faith. Unconditional promise that all the peoples of the world will be blessed by faith. The law, to take your very argument, Paul is saying, the law, which is the newer, cannot supplant the covenant of Abraham, which is the older covenant, whereby God made it clear that salvation and being right with him would be a matter of unconditional promise, not conditional obedience. You get that right, and you will never have a serious misunderstanding of how to interpret the law, even as a growing Christian. The law still matters. The law has so much to teach us about the heart of God. But the central lesson of the, of the law is down in the same chapter, beginning in verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. There was an era of revelation when the law comprised what God had said. The law, so then, verse 24, the law was our guardian until Christ came. That word guardian is a word that most literally means sort of tutor. It's pedagogue. Our, our, some older translations say schoolmaster. Um, tutor is a great translation. Guardian, not a bad one. The law in the life of the believer exists to keep us reminded of how short we fall. In an ongoing way, there's this massive list of regulations that you can't even keep up with let alone keep, and you stumble and you sin, and you stumble and you sin. And that dynamic, which is brought to your awareness by the law, is there to drive you to your need for forgiveness from outside yourself and the imposition of righteousness greater than righteousness you can ever achieve on your own, Christ and the Messiah. Um, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So, yeah, the law has been around longer than the full revolution, revelation of the gospel. But the promise of salvation by grace through faith has been around centuries longer than the law. By now, I hope you're liking and following and sharing these podcasts, and I hope that we are an ongoing blessing and that you'll join us again next week when one more time we go Beyond the Notes.